0: Welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. My name is Ryan Hanley. I'll be your host today, as always. And once again, I have dropped Marty Agather and replaced him with a uh, very capable upgrade, Kelly Donahue Puro from Agency Performance Partners, one of our speakers at Elevate. Kelly, it's great to have you on the show today.
1: Thanks so much, Ryan. Um, I'm glad to hear that I'm an upgrade. I think that, uh, although I don't feel the same way, I think Marty's awesome. So we'll say we're <laughs> equals. <laughs>
0: that just means that you don't know Marty well enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're well, looking forward um, to getting to know him more at Elevate. How about that? <laughs>
0: yes, good. So um, so I wanted to have you on the show because obviously you're one of our speakers and uh, part of the event is we are kind of taking listeners of the show through little previews of both who our speakers are, what they do, and kind of what they'll be talking about. And uh, I think you're... You, what you do and uh, and what you're talking about really hits the essence of what Elevate is trying to help agents kind of move forward on, which is this whole idea of customer experience and 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 that's a really kind of buzzwordy, um, you know, it's a it's a buzzwordy concept. So what I would love to get from you is, um, is just kind of take us into what when when I say customer experience and when I kind of pitch this event to you. Um, as as being part of it you know what what came to your mind like what are the key components of customer experience that someone should know if they if they really don't have any idea of what that term means
1: yeah I think it's a great question and I love the word buzzword because I feel the same way it's you know everybody wants it but no one knows what it is it's kind of like the word brand everyone wants a good agency brand but no one very few people totally understand what that means um to me I always start with the why right Ryan so why do we need a customer experience well Let's be honest, Ryan, do you enjoy paying your insurance premiums?
0: Uh, no, I do not.
1: Do you enjoy going to the dentist?
0: Oh, it's my favorite thing, having uh, drills put into my mouth, for sure.
1: <laughs> do you enjoy paying taxes?
0: Uh, also, another one of my favorite things. You're, you're hating on all of them right now.
1: So the idea of customer experience is, is that we don't, we don't have a product inherently that people love, right? You know, I've never once stroked my insurance check and been like, that's so amazing, I'm so happy I did that today. There was a nice vacation for me and my husband Andrew to go to Italy in an insurance premium check. Um, yeah. But what I do know is I know the value of it and its importance. And I'll tell you what I've seen across this country is is that it's not about the product; it's about who we buy it from. And having a great customer experience helps people make that transition. Of you know, I don't like going to the dentist, but I really do like my dentist. You know, when we're going there, he changes the music to what I like. I get a free toothbrush. You know, there's a nice picture on the ceiling for me to look at and try to find Waldo because he's got a Where's Waldo puzzle on the ceiling. Um, he's figured out how to make going to the dentist a little bit better. And I think if every agency embraced customer experience, they'd understand that, hey, you don't have to have the sexiest product, but you can have the best customer experience that keeps people going back and back because just like going to the dentist, I guess I don't really get to choose if I'm gonna go to the dentist. Well, I'm, some people do. I choose to care about my dental health. Um, but I get to pick what dentist I'm going to. And I think that's the crux of customer experience and why it's so important.
0: Yeah, one of the things that you say actually in the description of your session um, is that 86% of people are willing to pay more for better service. And I'll put the word experience in there as well. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I don't know if many agencies wrap their brain around that idea that, that providing some of this human aspect to the insurance product can actually make their agency more uh, revenue.
1: Sure. And it's funny because I'm in an agency right now, one of my great agencies in uh, in southern Connecticut. And funny enough, we had this whole conversation this morning where, you know, we can't get caught in the price game. If you become my trusted advisor and you tell me this is Kelly, you need an umbrella policy because your adorable dog Roxy could bite somebody and I don't want to see your wages get garnished. I'm willing to listen to you. If your trusted advisor comes to you and says, one out of every eight women's going to get breast cancer, why don't we talk about life insurance now? You start listening harder. When it's all transactional, it's all price-driven, no one thinks of you as the trusted advisor. And so if we have a good experience, which to me means building a relationship, building rapport, staying in touch with me, not just making it about price and renewal, then I'm willing to listen to you because I feel like you care about me. And one of our clients and good friend of mine, Mike Stromso says, No one cares until they know you care. And so for agencies, it's time to start caring about our customers. It's time to start talking to them at renewal. It's time to start understanding when their 16-year-olds are going to drive. It's time to start not looking as a small startup business as a waste of time because there's no premium. Care about those guys. They're going to grow. You know, I started my company, Ryan, two and a half years ago. Well, we're at 11 people now today in two companies. You know, if my agent didn't care about me, I would have moved on tenfold from now. But we have to really get to a place where we care about our customers so that they will spend more money with us because they trust us and we're their advisor. We're not just there to sell a policy, not talk to them unless they need something, and then hope, for the, hope to God that they stay with us. That's not the main goal of an independent agent. Maybe that's the main goal of a GEICO or a progressive, but we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard.
0: Yeah. So, you, you know, one of the things that you said in there was the idea of we need to start Caring about our customers, and I and I wholeheartedly agree. Though I think if we surveyed uh, a pool of agents, most of them would say I care about my customers. So where do you think, you know, where is that disconnect? Because because I agree with you, but I I wonder. I think a lot of agents miss maybe what does that look like? What is it? You gave me a few examples, but tangibly because. I definitely, I get that look, right? Like I, I, maybe I say different words, similar ideas in some of the presentations I give and I get this thousand mile stare of like, but I feel like I'm already doing that, but we know they're not.
1: Well, and I think that there's a big difference between an agency owner doing it and imparting it on your team, right? Yeah, so I think that's one, one small part of the equation, but I look at it too. You need to have it written down as a system agencies run off of systems today. So what's our system for somebody's birthday? What's our system when they've been there for five years? Do we thank them for their loyalty? What's our system to follow up with claims? You know, what's our system to make proactive renewal calls? What's our system to stay in touch with them on holidays, etc.? If we don't have a system, what it is is it's just, you care about your buddies that you insure. And that may sound a little brash, but at the end of the day, if your agency has 5,000 customers, how are you telling me you care about every single one of them? You don't know every single one of them. And in order to care about them, you have to have some proactivity into your into your system. Um, and the agencies that are really growing, thriving, and retaining business have proactivity built in. But it's a system. They can pull a report and say, we made 100% of our renewal calls. They can look at our, maybe something in Rocket Referrals and say, you know what, we sent out um, letters to every single person for their birthday. They've showing they're caring through automation, but they're also showing they're caring through a system that they can rely on.
0: You know, it's funny. I think some people when they think systems, they automatically go to, well that's kind of dehumanizing or commoditizing what I do, right? And and you just used the example of Rocket Referrals and uh, I actually just had uh, got a letter from Rocket Referrals that like I had referred someone to them and they used their own system and sent me this letter and I was like even though I knew it came, you know, out of this process. And I was like, oh, it still is kind of nice. So, you know, this is a really nice touch, and I appreciated it. And I, you know, so, so maybe uh, you could talk just a little bit about how we use these systems. Because I think that's the scare, right, is insurance has always been, at least for the people who haven't adopted these things already, they... You know, they feel like somehow they're losing themselves into the systems. How do you maintain your personality and the human touch while while automating uh, like you described?
1: Sure. And it's a question I get a lot too, Ryan. I think there's two ways I'm going to answer that. The first one is something is always going to be better than nothing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back in the day, everyone can remember writing handwritten thank you notes, birthday cards, the whole thing. We've gotten away from those personal touches in insurance, Right. Because maybe commissions have been cut. We figured out we could do, you know, more with less. And those really traditional touch points, we don't do anymore, right? (laughs) So back in the day, that's how insurance was run. But we get away from it because we have these glowing boxes. And so it's time for us to maximize them. And I'm not saying that they should be cheesy or terrible. But what's so wrong with an automated birthday card going to somebody? Is it better than not recognizing their birthday or only dealing with them when they need you? I would say that, you know, it's better to just put your face out there than to do nothing. Um, And the second part of it is, is that I still think you have to marry very traditional with automation. So whether you're going to do an electronic email onboarding campaign of, you know, sending automated emails out to a new customer What's so wrong with adding in a personal phone call 30 days later to make sure that their escrow came out okay, that yeah. they have their auto ID cards, that they have all the certificates that they need. What's so wrong with combining technology with the personal touch? All it's gonna do is help us you know, be a little bit more efficient and effective. And I think that that's the key that you're driving at Ryan is in today's world, we need to be both efficient and effective. And it's gotta be a combination of the two um because let's face it in in personal lines in particular if your customer goes to geico or progressive what do you think that they're going to get they're going to get emails they're going to get text messages they're going to get notifications to download their app they're going to be all over that customer and when we sell a policy and we forget that they exist we're still not doing our job we have to come somewhere in the middle of a combination of the personal touch and automation
0: you know it's it's so funny um prospecting for new business is incredibly difficult regardless if you go digital or analog or referral based or whatever your methodology, it's just tough. And I think back to when I was an agent, the largest account that I ever wrote took me seven years to accumulate and started as a 25 year old purchasing a $117 renter's insurance policy. And uh, because I was uh, broke and not very good at prospecting new business, I used to hound my clients all the time just because I had nothing better to do and I wanted to seem busy. And I just kept catching this guy when he was doing new things or buying new stuff or starting a business. And, um, you know, and and it was by accident. I didn't, I didn't have a system. This was by accident. But I I think back to what you're saying and I'm like, man, what I hear you saying is that there are ways to, to put, you know, Light to heavy, depending on maybe your 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 uh, preference, uh, automations in place to really extract both value from the customers and deliver value to the customers that you already have and not deal with the horrifying realities of of generating new opportunities.
1: I think that you're you're very right on that. and I think at the end of the day, you know as we prospect new business, we need to figure out how to be in multiple places at once, right? Um, And on the new business side, I always like to kind of use my own company as an example. So, you know, today our email goes out and we're also posting on social media and blogs are being released. And at the same token, right now, I'm sitting in an agency talking to you and all this stuff is happening behind me because of automation. So that if you meet me at, let's say, Elevate, know that you're probably going to get a few email communications from us. And that you're probably going to be asked to be connected on Facebook and social media, but it's meant so that that way, if you have a need, you can find me easily. And that's really the benefit of being able to connect with people from both the digital perspective, but you also got to meet me in person, right? It wasn't just a straight digital perspective. I had an agency uh, prospect talk to me on Friday night and they said, well, how do we prospect more? And I said to them, depends what you're looking to accomplish. But if you want to prospect more, I think the best thing you can do is go to networking events and bring back business cards that go into a drip campaign. And he challenged me and he said, well, why don't I just buy a list and email people? And I just said, because that strategy worked eight years ago. Right now you run a $2 million agency. Would you buy something from an email? And then he looked at me and he goes, probably not. Would you choose your financial planner based on an email? Probably not. And I think that we have to treat ourselves the same way. I mean, Ryan. Let's face it. today, finding new business is not easy, right? Mm-hmm. We have to go put the elbow grease into it. But when we're putting the elbow grease into it, let's complement it with the automation of drip email marketing, social media, so we can stay in front of our prospects while we're still at other meetings. So today, you know, we're on. We're, I'm sitting here with you, but we're also on Facebook if somebody wants to find us.
0: Yeah, um, internally at uh, at Agency Nation, we call it living in the brackish water. Right? You have to. You have to have one foot in in the old world of or I say the old world the physical world and in all the the connections that are made from two human beings just being in the same space together with this this digital environment and I think putting both your feet in one or the other leaves a lot of gaps and and not like uh, oh well I just won't meet that person I think people that you meet in person who then can't take that connection to LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever or email or people who Meet you in in the digital world and can't take that connection to the physical. I, it almost creates a trust gap that that I think in, in today is is can be almost insurmountable to a certain extent. It's it's really tough to just have a virtual relationship with someone or just have a physical relationship because of all the different ways that 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 we want to be able to communicate with our service providers.
1: I would agree, and I I think too, you know, there's there's these really traditional. Um, concepts that still apply today. They've just been given a facelift with the new stuff, right? So, yeah, you know, know, reaching out to your clients at renewal is a really traditional way of doing it, but reaching out and getting, um, you know, getting their email address, getting their cell phone number, that helps you stay in contact with them better. Um, You know, if it's a situation where, you know, you're out at networking events, why wouldn't you grab their email and put them in a drip email marketing campaign? All it does is help people. And I think that the at the end of the day, you know, if you are only communicating from behind your computer, you're not gonna have the same level of retention you're looking for. And the same token is if you're only going out there and what I call pressing flesh of, you know, doing the handshakes, et cetera, you're missing out on a whole opportunity to nurture those those leads because I don't know about you, but today's world, I move fast and If I can't find you when I need you, I move on to the next one and I go to this thing called Google and I find your competitor. So some of it's not what you're comfortable with. And I'm sure you feel this. You face this all the time, too, Ryan. It's, well, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be on Facebook. I wouldn't I wouldn't be there. And I would say, well, if you wouldn't be there, that's fine. But where would you be? And if you did meet someone in person and shake their hand, would you be open to getting an email from them? And I think that's kind of what you're saying about putting two feet in is that you need to have this blended strategy that's both personal but also automated.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do, do you think the reluctance of uh, many agents to to adopt some of these automation and, and we'll call it social, digital, whatever, blogging, email, whatever, whatever form you, you choose, do you think it comes from a lack of maybe – understanding how to add value in those spaces. I mean, I think we're we've been trained our entire careers for for decades, if not centuries, on on how to deliver value in the physical space, eyeball to eyeball across the desk or in someone's kitchen, if you're doing personal lines, whatever, um, versus uh, in the physical world, like just just it's almost like a nervousness or an uncomfortableness with adding value in that space.
1: Well, I think that what I see out there, and I think this especially is the true of account managers, is that people think that we only want to talk about price. And what if they bring up price? And what if I'm not cheaper? And we in ourselves have become this price driven industry where we hate the fact that our customers are driven by price, yet we bring price into the equation every single day. And I'm not saying that price is not a critical part of it. What I'm saying is, is that why are we fearful of the price? It's almost like we've forgotten how to overcome and show our value. So if we are the cheapest, they're gonna buy from us. Um, you know, and, and that may be the truth, but my big line is, if I'm the cheapest, I'm not selling insurance, I'm collecting signatures. Real sales means convincing someone to buy from you despite your price. And if, if you can really get over the idea that I might be $200 more, that's $16.67 a month. Right, and that's one Starbucks latte every week. If you don't think you're better than a Starbucks latte every week, you should probably not think about selling insurance because anybody can quote the cheapest and put it in front of them. The hard part is, is as we get out of that and as we move forward, you have to be able to show your value each and every day. And part of that is just by caring about people and being in front of them and not just taking their money every year and hoping that they don't call you or hoping they don't have a claim or hoping that they pay their bills what it means is really developing that relationship with them and making those recommendations
0: you know it's it's really funny i i i think you've really hit on something with that and it's it's a very, it's a hot button for me because we we see it with some of the stuff that we some of the referrals that we send through justchoice.com we people only want the cream right they want perfect credit score two homes in a car you know possibly upgrading to with an umbrella policy um, you know, never missed on a premium, lived in the same house for 20 years in a neighborhood that doesn't flood. And they know that they have a carrier uh, who can get them a rate that's very competitive. Right. And, and it, it's not about it. It's like, it's almost like to a certain extent, we have lost the drive to be problem solvers and just gone to policy pushers. And, and I don't mean to be you used the word uh, brash before I, you know, I don't mean to be quite so, so heavy handed on the on the industry, I mean, obviously, um, I believe in everything we do, but it just a lot of the feedback that we get makes me think to myself: Have we, to a certain extent, and, and I don't mean to be so broad sweeping, but to a certain extent, have we forgotten that at the end of the day, we're problem solvers? People come to us. You, don't, you No one comes to you because hey, I have the perfect policy with the best coverage available with a great A-rated, A-plus rated carrier, and it's the rock bottom basement price available for this coverage. No one comes to you with that problem because that's not a problem. You're happy, right? My agent talks to me all the time. People come to you because, hey, you know, i my kid, you know, geez, my kid got into a car accident, and I'm struggling. Or I, I have this funky barn in my backyard, and I know I need an umbrella policy, but I can't find one because this barn is half falling down. And and it's it's like these are the problems where we are become the superstars, and um, and to a certain extent, I feel like we've stopped wanting to solve those problems. Do you think I'm off base with that? Or
1: um, I think everybody wants the easy business. You know, I have a saying that's you know, you know. What every agent wants is what every agent wants. So they want the person with the deck pages in hand saying, please quote my business. Please take care of me. I've got seven policies and I'm going to pay in full and I'm never going to call you. And, you know, that's just not the reality of the world today. And the world moves so much faster. So maybe, you know, where people needed things every decade, people need things every two or three years now. And let's face it, Ryan, on top of it all, the world is so much more litigious, right? So... If I want to look at the real risk I have out there today, I no one has enough insurance, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, so it's it's if we don't want to be there when our our customers put on their first youthful driver, we have no business selling them insurance. Yeah. We need to be there for them and we need to not look at our customers as an inconvenience. You know, I have this sort of funny saying I say. When I first started going into agencies, the first agency I went to, every time the phone rang it would be and I just kept thinking, oh, this whole agency has a little cough, a little little tickle in their throat. I go to the second agency every time the phone rings. Ugh. By the third agency, I said, stop it! What is going on? Is there some like CSR cold I don't know about? And every time the phone rings, it was an inconvenience. So when we say, oh, I give great service, I challenge that and say, tell me exactly what you do for service. Yeah. Tell me how you're going to serve me because I'll tell you what, you're not going to want me as a client. I've got 16 policies and I pay in full for all of them, but you're not going to want me because you're disgusted by the fact that I want to text my agent yep. when I need something. I'm not going to give out my personal cell phone. I challenge that, that that's not a great customer experience for me who's 35 years old with 16 policies. You know, And if you're not going to sit down with me and go over, do I have enough life insurance based on my assets growing? I'm going to have to ask you for that. I challenge that that's not a great customer experience. Now, And maybe I'd be more considered a VIP account in an agency, but Five years ago, I wasn't. Five years ago, we had, you know, two cars and, you know, a condo policy. So, you know, I don't know. It just gets to be one of those things where as agency owners become more and more removed from the day-to-day operations, we really need to work on training and instilling a great experience for the staff. And the staff can't sit there and look at, like, I do that. I give great customer experience. I give great service. They need to be challenged and said, this is exactly what we're providing for service. And if we can't live up to that, it's time for you to find another agency, And I know that that's a really hard situation, okay, because there's not a lot of great qualified staff out there. But if you think about that, the people on the phone every day hate it when the phone rings, you got to change your culture.
0: Yeah. You know, that is uh, one of the most pervasive problems in our industry. I can tell you because I've listened to over 1,700 recorded phone calls that have come through our system because we record them all. Mm -hmm. I've listened to 1,700, I mean, you've probably listened to a ton too, but I've listened to 1,700 customers call agents across the country and that cough thing, I've never put it into those terms, but it is 100% the case. And here's the thing, most of the time the customers get it. It happens after the phone has been picked up because the first question is always, do you have a policy with us? And then when the person, if the person says yes, then they're like, it's almost like they're happy because they know they can pass it on to whoever, you know, punches a few keys and updates the, the credit card info or whatever, you know, simple task needs to be completed. But as soon as they say, no, there is this, oh my God, I'm going to have to do real work here. And it's, it's a palpable thing. And the dynamic in the customer, and I don't think people realize this, but that, even if, it, it, even if it's a small audible sound, it is immediately transferred to the customer. And you can then hear the customer's tone change from hopeful that they've found the solution to almost on defense that, you know, am I going to have to explain myself again? And and it, it changes the whole dynamic of the call. So uh, I, man, I, I'm a 100% with you. That is an in- incredibly difficult problem to solve because so many uh, agency staff have almost become like family. I mean, they've just been there for so long in most agencies. And and it, it's tough, I think, for a lot of agency principals to evaluate performance. But I agree with you. That's not an excuse for uh, providing that type of experience, right? That, that Customers are having experience with your agency, whether it's positive or negative. Um, that's what's determined by you.
1: Well, and this is a conversation we had last week at an agency in California, and I love these guys very much. But well, we sat there and everyone in the room said, we give great service, we give great service. They said, okay, so why are we not account rounding? And it took a little while, but the truth came out and said, I just don't have time. I'd much rather get through my activity list. I'd much rather get through these emails so I can get out of work on time and feel at least caught up. And I said, hold on a second here. So you're saying the definition of getting giving good service is not account rounding. How can you tell me that the people on the other end of the phone don't deserve to know about an umbrella policy, and that's good service. Or they don't deserve to know that you offer life insurance, renters, etc. Because to me, the definition of good service is educating your customer. And so if you wanna get them off the phone so that you can make your day a little bit easier, that's not good customer service. What's good customer service is taking the time with them on the phone to educate them. And if that person gets off the phone, goes out and gets into a terrible car accident and doesn't have enough coverage. Whose fault is that? That's your fault because you're their agent. And when you're their agent, that means that you need to take the time with them. So don't worry about the next activity. Don't worry about the next phone call. Worry about that person that's on the phone because you may only talk to them once every three years. Yeah. And they like, were like, what do you mean? And I said, you got to redefine good customer service, good customer service, not squashing a bunch of tasks. It's doing the right thing for our customers. And that's really one of the things we've gotten so far away from is just making everything into a transaction and less about a relationship
0: sometimes it's doing the little things that don't scale that make the biggest difference
1: efficient and effective that is the keys to success. it's not it's not one without the other. you know you got to be both today. but you also have to train your staff, right? You know one of the things we do is we survey agencies and You know, it's amazing to me, Ryan, how few salespeople have had sales training, and how few how few agencies have a continuous training program in their agency. You know, we take the CE credits, but that doesn't talk about customer service. That doesn't talk about fighting our new competitors. What that talks about is you know how to make sure you've got the adequate coverage, which sometimes we don't even apply.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Hey, Kelly. This has been phenomenal. I don't want to waste the flavor, right? Your session is designing and tracking your customer experience. You have to come to Elevate to see Kelly speak. She is going to blow the doors off the place. I'm so happy to have her as part of this conference. She makes up one of 20 incredibly dynamic speakers, uh, a collection of speakers that you could not get at any other conference, and uh, I'm so happy to have you part of it. Let everyone know where they can find out a little bit more about you and what you do. Um, between now and when they come to see you at Elevate 2017?
1: Sure. Well, um, first of all, you can always check us out. Um, I'm sure if you hit up Ryan or the crew um, that they can connect us. But you can go to agencyperformancepartners.com. That's our training and consulting company. And then we have a company called Agency Appeal, which does brands, websites, um, and marketing strategy for agencies. So both of those, you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, etc. We try to be very digitally active. Um, but hopefully you guys can hit us up and subscribe to our blogs, and, you know, we do, a, we do a couple things every month that might benefit your agency, so looking forward to getting some new people interacting with us, but also seeing you all out there in, uh, what, June? A couple months from now?
0: June 4th, 5th, and 6th. It's Elevate 2017. Uh, if you go to agencynation.com forward slash podcast, look for episode 59. You can get uh, links to all the, all the places that Kelly just mentioned. So if you're looking for them in one place or you can just go directly, if you want to get tickets to the event, we now have big eye member discounts. So you can go, go to agencynation.com forward slash elevate. And the number one seven. I want to see you guys there. If you love this show, if you love what you heard from Kelly, you're going to absolutely want to be at elevate 2017. Kelly, it has been my pleasure. Thank you so much.